heard uh, what they say like about uh, how um, Disneyland exists to make you think everything else is real. Yeah. Did yeah. Bogeyard say that it's the most depressing thing to see someone eating alone? Uh, I don't. I don't remember him saying that. I, I would, saw someone I would on, on Twitter with him if he did like quote him saying that, and I yeah. was like, I if I read this essay, it might destroy me. I don't know if I'll recover. <laughs> I think Baudrillard said the most perverted and demented thing about American society was people who run, which yeah. is such a French thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I just took a run this morning. Yeah, that, that, that one perverted, I might agree with him on. Distorted, demented, American. <laughs> we eat cheeseburger. French people already yes. know that about us, and yeah. we're not supposed to run. We're no supposed running. to eat cheeseburger Smoking and not run. Cigarettes, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. We're all supposed to live like the guy and the stranger. That's the ideal French way to live. <laughs> and yet somehow they live longer than us and yeah. more by the day. <laughs> They're doing something right. Yeah. Do you guys want to start off talking about new school? Uh, not the new school we went to, Sean. Oh, new college! Oh yeah, new college! Oh, new college in Sarasota! Oh yeah, sure. I can yeah. talk about that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So there's an assault on our alma mater. Well, not my alma mater. Yeah, my yeah. almost alma mater. But in a way, it is my alma mater. Yeah, yeah. And we can yeah, get to that. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> you, spent, you spent formative times there. Yeah, I, David went there, and I that was my first choice school, but I I couldn't afford to go there because of the out of state tuition. Um, oh, right. But I did visit, and I lost my virginity there. And I think I <laughs> told David that on Twitter, and he's like, "Oh yeah, me too." And I did have to awkwardly say, uh, "All right, is it the same person?" We had to like, figure yeah, it yeah out. we had to figure out how, how, how it, close we were. It wasn't, but it was. Yeah, sounds like it was pretty close. It was probably like a degree of separation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's, there, you can't you can't get far. Is there like a same Eskimo dorm brothers, but for having for losing your virginity at the same college, you know, like Eskimo <laughs> alumni or something? Uh, yeah. So what's going on at the new college of Florida? Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a pretty depressing situation where, uh, you know, and I'll preface this by saying, you know, like I still keep, it's like Facebook is basically like my new college alumni network machine. Like that's all it's really used for, for me now is, and, uh, uh, it was, really depressing to watch like every at every step you know former professors and some alumni being like well you know there's laws in place well you know it takes a while to change an institution well you know there's uh, norms 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 right in every at every step they're like well it's not that bad oh it's not that bad and then uh chris rufo there's him and the guy from um hillsdale uh eddie something it it looks like money yeah 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 it looks like he, he builds like bombs in his basement in not a cool way and uh he um uh, the two of them showed up for uh oh. so it's a strikeout for santana on a clock violation <laughs> fucking typical antifada podcast you find out that andy is not paying attention to the yeah. content no, he's watching no. the mets game well as kodai senga's first game okay. is uh pretty striking everyone out on the ghost fork ball it's very exciting okay what, what, uh, I really thought I muted that window. What do you think about the pitch clock? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on the pitch yeah. clock. Okay, maybe uh, we, can, we can circle back around to the pitch clock. In a way, Andy it's a, it's obvious, it's better. Like yeah. it's going to save me a lot of time in my life, <laughs> but it is a perversion of the game. Yeah, but the game itself is a perversion of itself. It's, okay. uh, I have a elaborate theory about this. We'll oh, get wow. into you later. Okay, all right, I'm ready for that. Uh, sorry. Okay, so go back to okay. describing the new school stuff and all. Yeah, it. new college, new college, new college. Right? Yeah, and it's funny as uh, um, uh, Amy Goodman made the same mistake when she was doing uh, the um, graduation speech for us. She kept calling yeah. it new school. Uh, so, so that's <laughs> the graduation speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was doing comm- yeah. she was doing commencement speech, and she kept calling us new school. 
and she, she was wondering to, if you go to a uh, like a normal college, you get somebody like Chuck Schumer, yeah, who famously right. does like every single commencement in the entire world. <laughs> New college, you get Amy yeah. Goodman. That's yeah. how you know where they they land politically and whatnot. Uh, well, and, and this this is actually a good. Um, description of like the politics of the of the institution not the students but the institution is that right so we got amy goodman then the next year was like the uh the chair of the st louis fed right you know the liberal wing of capital needs like you know <laughs> cover and then you know like who they actually whose opinions they actually care about that but, Venn diagram is just the Democratic Party. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Yeah. So they, um, uh, 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 Ron DeSanctimonious, uh, Meatball Ron, Clammy Ron. Uh, he um, installed six uh, um, uh, members of the board of trustees uh, because it's a public uh, college. So he gets to appoint the board of trustees that they hadn't had a full uh, board for a long time. As like you know, like, you know, first you starve the institution and then you. Uh, like you know, you know, like a, you know, like like a like a duck being prepared for foie gras. You know, you just like jam a bunch of nuts down its throat to fatty fatty up its liver. That's basically what they're doing to it now. They're uh, putting in all these uh, new board members, and they they fired the president without cause, and and, and the I think the the school um, council. Like they're trying to fire all the teachers and rehire yeah, them, right? Yeah, and well, so now, it, well, so once they they did that, once they got the they cut off the head, they cut off the president. They then they're like, well, now we need to figure out like what kind of emergency uh, declaration can we make? Like, uh, like mm. the books are are falling apart. You know, like they'll make they'll make some sort of economic emergency justification to fire everybody. But That's is it so they're cho- they choose they chose New College because it's traditionally like the lefty or liberal or progressive school where there's no grades and you might learn a little bit of continental philosophy there, I guess. It's not like a super left wing. It's not like a Marxist school or anything, but I mean, there there are like outright Marxists. Like uh, um, one, I won't say their name since I guess like now that could get you fired, but you know I mean? Like it's not like the Frankfurt school. No, it's it's not the Frankfurt school, (laughs) but you know, what if the Frankfurt school had gone to Florida and said, (laughs) that's a cool alternate timeline. They're just talking shit on Disney world instead of Los Angeles. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, No, there are some good, there are, there were really good Marxist professors there and actually bell hooks, uh, was a visiting professor there for a little while also. Yeah. So I mean, like it doesn't get much welker than that. No, it does not. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, recently came out as a, an evicting landlord bell hooks really really yeah there was a video going around twitter where she was talking about how she suffered a lot of discrimination as a landlord oh boy oh that's not woke yeah no i am uh yeah yeah uh uh, so the the uh um so net now it's um uh basically uh getting uh dismantled sold for parts uh there's a there's a story on April Fools that no one can figure out if it's true or not that they're trying to uh, install a baseball team like start a baseball <laughs> team which you know, which is funny right it's a, it's a it's a liberal arts college where like every like I think like I would say like sixty percent of the student body still smokes. Uh-huh. Like you know, and, it's and, like having the new school for social research critical theories. Yeah, a team or something. Yeah, yeah. Go yeah. critical theories. Yeah, and like we we would do a, a like a, a Mother's Day um, a kickball tournament, um, and that my team was called Gin and Tonic. Like you know, it was 
<laughs> like uh, not not a. And I, I, we don't have to talk about this if you think it's a bad idea. Yeah. But one thing the school was famous for when I visited in the uh, early two thousands was they had these parties. I think they were monthly. Um, PCP it, that involved yeah. a smorgasbord of drugs purchased oh, by the school. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Well, so it wasn't purchased by the school. So here's how here's how it worked. Um, the, yeah, well, I guess it I'll was, say the it. money was yeah. given to a yeah, yeah. C- I, club that yeah. bought the drugs I, I, and I, distributed them openly in the quad. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is pretty much over. So like, it's okay to to say it now. Is that you know what would happen is it would be three times a year. There uh, three times a school year: graduation, Halloween, and Valentine's Day. You'd have a a, a campus wide party, and uh, you would um, you get the student government to buy uh, a, a little bit of money for T-shirts, and then you sell the T-shirts at a profit. Use that money to buy you know to buy like you know Xan- Xanax or weed, some coke, a little bit of coke, you know, just like you know baby drugs, and then you. Um, uh, and then you have a scavenger hunt or some sort of competition Aww. the night before the the party. And and the winner in like first, second, and third get the drugs, uh, and and then you get to ha- then you do the drugs at the party, right? So it was, and it, the runners up also get some drugs. You, you can probably get like yeah. one thing, yeah, get like a joint or something. <laughs> it, it, it it you know it's like you know it, you know if, uh, even even like some straight edge kids that I I, I knew there. Um, Shout out Kotu. Uh, you know, like, I, you know, like, I, you would at least, like, look away as, like, well, you know, if you're, if we're gonna do them, you know, it's like, you know, do them among friends and do them, uh, in a way that, uh, uh, is fair. <laughs> Who gets what? You know, it, it was, it was, it was a pretty egalitarian. I, th- I feel like I learned more politically from, you know, like the student body than in class, let's put it that way. If the, uh, if in my day, SUNY purchases, uh, cultural committee, could spend a bunch of money to bring anal con onto campus to destroy <laughs> the local theater. Then I see no problem. I see no reason why the new college can't do right, that just right, right. in a, dr- a druggy way. If there was like an anti woke governor in New York who was going to destroy one of the woke state schools, would it be New Paltz or Purchase first? Ooh, oh. Purchase. Yeah, yeah you think purchase, it's Purchase? I, would... I think they already did that to New Paltz. Like that happened in the like nineties and two thousands. I mean, it's 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 definitely on the ropes. He's like, and, you know, this could get into, you know, some of the, the, uh, some of my book is that, you know, like New Paltz, he's like, I'm also, you know, uh, uh, a, a union, uh, um, officer at United University of Professions, uh, the union for SUNY schools. And, my um, old union. Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, we, we're, a lot of, th- a lot of things with, uh, with, uh, New Paltz is that, you know, the cost of living's gone nuts. All so, right. so, you know, like people aren't, get, aren't getting paid and they're not getting the cost of living adjustments necessary to, to to work there, so I think that that's really putting us, uh, the 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 you know gripping uh, new pulse to, uh, to death. I don't know. That was a weird metaphor. I don't know. <laughs> if, but, you know, but, you know pur- purchase could be could strangling. be strangling. Yeah, yeah strangling. If, if we want to put it in a little bit of historical context, you know, like the kind of self governing institutions of the university have been around for what. 800 years or something like that you know education academics being like a guild basically and they run their own employment they run their own departments or whatever it really took the uh chris russo rufo slash james Lindsay slash uh ronnie meatball anti-woke uh crusade to destroy tenure after like hundreds of years it's pretty impressive especially if you consider that that's like university up to like 10 years ago maybe 15 years ago was like one of the few institutions in american society that was still like functioning and brought people in from outside and 
whatever. It's been an incredible downfall. Yeah, some of the anti-woke people haven't gotten the memo yet, and they're still being like, we need to preserve the university as a sacred space. <laughs> yeah, they're using sharing <laughs> ideas. Like, oh, no, that was that was like a year and a half ago. You're using the <laughs> D- D&D version 3.5. <laughs> the line now is yeah. just getting rid of them and yeah. having no yeah. education at all. Right, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The university survives, uh, quote-unquote, neoliberalism, but like two or three years of anti-wokeism and... Uh, Bye-bye. Yep. So let's introduce our guest. We are here with David Banks, author of The City Authentic, a friend from uh, Troy, New York. Thank you. Uh, great book that's just out on Verso? Uh, no, no, oh. Univer- University of California Press. If I don't bother to learn who the publisher yeah. is and I say Verso, I'm right about yeah. three to four times <laughs> It's on a fair show. guess. It's a fair guess, yeah. No, University of California. A, it's not published by New York hipsters. No. It's, Published by Left Coast Wackos. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm in good company. We got a like I think Norm Finkelstein's published on UC Press. Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you describe the book in a, in a nutshell? Yeah, sure. So, oh, yeah. before that, yeah. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but <laughs> hi, it's Sean. I have COVID. 19. So I'm on this episode remotely, and if uh, I have diminished capacity, that's because I have the kind of brain disease that COVID brings on. But hopefully I'm getting better. Hopefully it's not long COVID. Hopefully it's not long Short COVID. COVID. Short COVID. Yeah. Medium, medium-term COVID. Yeah, so the book... Medium COVID I would take, but... <laughs> So the the uh, the book it basically uh, tries to answer the question why your city acts like that. And I think uh, everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like, why, why is my city acting like that, right? Like, why, why does everything look the same? Why is everyone kind of acting like a reality TV star? Like every small, and not, not just the small business owners, but like the politicians too. Even un- unelected people, like, you know, like the, the person that works in planning or, or economic development, like they, they all, they all like become like uh, attention hounds. They're all like, mm. they all got grind set. It's right. like, huh. look, look at my built environment, dog. We're never getting authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the, the idea is that like all these cities, especially small and medium sized ones, it's when I'm, those are the ones I'm looking at in upstate New York and you know, where I, where I live around Albany is that, um, you know, they're realizing that they need to find something that they can base their economy on that can't be exported. Right. In the same way, you know, they, they don't want to relive the seventies. Right. And so what they, what they, they do is they look around like, well, what can't move? And it's like, well, the buildings are pretty hard to move. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, land can't, you know, physically can't move land. Right. So like, what can we, but, but that's also like not enough because that stuff's always been here and hasn't really attracted anyone in the first place. So what else can we look around and, and, you know, figure out like why we make everyone like obsessed with the stuff that can't be moved. And, and the answer so far, and it didn't have to be this, but it just happens to be, uh, for a variety of factors is like, uh, we're, they're leveraging our, our deepest desires to be like, authentic and like of like an urban environment right and to be like a a cool city person uh and and i i trace i i spend a whole chapter trying to figure out what authenticity is and you know and and it is really tied to these like modern urban environments that like go back to like hossman and uh you know demolishing and rebuilding paris like these are all moments where people are have uh called on to perform a certain kind of uh, authentic urbanity in order to like you know show off who they are 
and 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 you know like all the stuff that they got and all the stuff they can afford and you know and of course cities are places where lots of different people see each other uh in person and so like the, so it's also a time where you know you can like uh start to craft an identity out you know out loud and it's it, and it's this will to do that which is now like of course supercharged by social media that like um, cities are really leaning heavy into as like the one thing that they could like the the competitive advantage that they can use is like well maybe you can't afford New York City because who can right but you could take the the Amtrak <laughs> you could take the two forty two hours cool. north and you, you know like we're the we're the cool uh, thrift store find to the name brand New York City so like not only do you get the same urban feel for for a discount. You're also, you know, they flatter you and like you're smarter than those people in New York City because you're you're not paying that, but you're getting the same mm-hmm. thing. So is mm-hmm. the, the 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 saying goes? Yeah, I thought it was. You know, I I thought maybe we could talk about maybe Sean and I could talk about like our you know history, fa- sort of. I don't know. If I want to say falling for it, but like we both moved to Williamsburg yeah. in the early two thousands, and mm-hmm. I moved there because that's where the punk shows were. You know, I I mm-hmm. wanted to see. Leftover Crack and Japanther and World Inferno and like the scene that sort of followed the Strokes and the Moldy Peaches and that sort of thing. That was the sort of huge boom of people moving to Williamsburg and then Bushwick that, you know, still continues today. But what you're describing in the book is sort of different mm-hmm. because it's now like trying to market many steps beyond that actual cool thing. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. sort of trying to s- scrap up what remains of the cool of a hundred plus years and like combine it into like a new authenticity. Yeah. It, well, in, in a lot of ways it's like post Williamsburg. What I'm describing is like, mm. you know, it, when I say post, you know, I mean like, you know, take for granted, right. That, that, that it's like the mustache aesthetic that came from Williamsburg for yeah, some reason. Yeah. Is now like <laughs> thoroughly mainstream, right. That's not indie. That's not alt anymore. That is the mainstream, right. Williamsburg did its cultural like, thing right and and infused everything through uh, hbo right and now everyone has understands the williamsburg aesthetic and so now like well how can you enact that yourself right like how can you uh, participate in the cult in in that culture uh in a in a way that feels correct right it feels like you're doing it right uh without living in new york city right without living in the in the major metropoles that that, Uh, um that create this culture and a lot of that is like that's what a lot of these little cities are doing is trying to convince you that you can do that there and to do justice to your book this isn't just about like a structure of feeling this isn't just about individual psychic journeys and it's not just about particular like small town or small city boosters trying to get a piece of like a certain vibe your book is very much uh, about political economy, too, because one of the things, of course, that's happened to Williamsburg and now Bushwick and Austin and Portland and mm-hmm. a million other places is that uh, a ton and Berlin is another example. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, this international is that a lot of people made a lot of fucking money, yeah. especially developers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, this is a there's a huge global economic process that's going on that by the time it gets down to us looking at Instagram and like the you talk about the hashtag escape Brooklyn, you know, movement by cap by small capitalists a few years ago as soon as it gets to that point it's already filtered down through like billions and trillions of dollars of economic development and money flying all over the world yeah yeah have you, have you had a uh, sam stein on the show yet yeah of course yeah so i i use his um uh theory in like in, in like capital city about how um you know the industry when industry left big cities right you know like what what filled the vacuum 
was was really two things. The, one is the one that he says, which is finance, right? Which is true, right? And finance has material interests that industry does not, right? Like they want all the rents to go up, whereas industry, uh, their factories and their and the labor intensive work that that goes on inside them, they actually want costs to be low. They want land prices to be low because factories are big and they and they want the um cost of living to be low because they they pay a bunch of workers right mm-hmm. but but now that but when finance shows up they don't care about any of that shit right they and they want everything to go up because that's where they make their nut right so the um so so on the one hand you have that but uh, on the on on the other hand you know you you also have um a, an attention economy that's that's uh constantly seeking new content right and and then this is where I get into, you know, like after I figure out what the hell authenticity is, right, which is it's like the sense of origins and belonging, right? Um, the next step is like, well, yeah, how do you make that into money, right? Then that's the political mm-hmm. economy of, of authenticity, which is, um, yeah, it's like like pre- uh, presenting places as a, a, a history-laden, like, artifacts where you can, like... Uh, go to a place that used to be important or, or interesting, right? So, like, the example I give is that, like, there's this bar in Troy that Christian Gillibrand would make, made a point of being um, uh, interviewed at twice in the Wall Street Journal when she was running for president. She had her, her office in Troy, which I, I think was very intentional for a lot of the reasons I describe in my book. But, um, uh, you know, in this, in this dive bar, it, it was a dive bar, and then it gets transformed into a dive bar themed bar right hmm. and, and what i mean by that is that it used to be called bradley's and then this local uh uh like mogul of of restaurants uh buys it and puts a the in front of it so it goes from bradley's to the bradley but then he changes nothing inside right and that and that that you know adding that the at the beginning it kind of it tells you everything you need to know right he's just like okay the, now the now the bar that used to be good because it was bradley's right now you're going to go to a place that is like a place that is good uh-huh. because of there's this guy named bradley right you know like, and so it's, it's, it's this like sham it's like a, a almost like a dibbick or something you know it's like <laughs> like a golem right that, that uh that you you keep running or, or keep going just by virtue of like a nice story or or, or an aesthetic yeah, and uh, we, I, I made a little contribution to this book, too, when yeah. I visited you in Troy, and we went to this bar that you described as um, a place where, like, food service workers or, like, people getting off work would go to drink. It was like a dive bar downtown Troy where you uh, you could smoke inside, but you weren't allowed to curse. Yeah, if you curse, yeah. the, mm. the bartender would kick you out, um, but... Then it got new owners, and now you can't smoke inside, but you are allowed to curse. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Margie's. Yeah. Um. Uh, my my wife was a uh, a bartender for a, a long time, and uh, and this was where she would go when she got you know because all the bars would close at two, and then like this place just would flout all rules and and stay open late, and uh, and it was run by Marge. Right. It's called Margie's. Run by Marge. And, uh, and, and you go there and it's just like this little old lady with a bouffant that will like walk around. You put the pack of cigarettes on the, on the, on the bar and she would just put an ashtray next to it. And that's, mm. that was your, your permission to smoke. And, um, and you know, and she would keep like a list of enemies by the front door. Hell yeah. And, and which that's inclu- how you know you're in an authentic place when there's a blacklist. <laughs> which included the police department, which was wild for like, you know, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a very. It just said the Troy police department. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Because it, because it, it had, 
um, uh, uh, it, it was flouting all these all these rules, but it's, it's wild because like you know like the, both the Italian and the Irish that are very dominant up there, right? Are usually you know it's a pretty conservative group of people, you know. And uh, uh, but uh, she was she was not having it from them, <laughs> you know. And, and you know like half the half the uh, jukebox is like the Rat Pack, you know. It's like you know it's, uh, common stuff, yeah. But yeah, and then and we were uh, Andy, you and I were right. We were at this bar, and, we, and uh, Beetlejuice comes on the the television. That's right. which also would not have been there would, would not have been a television at Margie's. And uh, um, and I'm just like looking at it, and I think we were probably like two drinks deep, right? <laughs> at that point, and, and that was on an edible. Yeah, right. Yeah, we we we'd been having fun, and um, I'm just like looking at it, like, man, we're this is like the Beetlejuice house, <laughs> which which was not not inaccurate, I don't think, right? Because it's like the idea is that you know if everyone's ha- if you haven't watched Beetlejuice in a while, right? You know, it's, I don't know what you're doing if you haven't seen Beetlejuice. I know, yeah, you know, get your life right and go watch Beetlejuice, yes. right? <laughs> I, I, but, the, you know, the, but in there, you know, right, you have these like New York City folks, which is a which is a type in the '80s and late and early '90s that is in movies that you're meant to hate. You're meant to hate these people, uh-huh. right? These are the yuppies, but it's also it's a little bit more than yuppies because they, they symbolize like this uncaring capital. That just like eats things or is uninterested in their yuppies stuff. and the Bohemians, yeah, yeah and their yeah. intelligentsia, right? Because they're also like and they're bourgeois, yeah. They're like all of yeah. the bad things, um, but then also like Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis are also from New York, but they're like good New York transplants who like yeah, actually care like, about the town, they're like right? Trads. Because right. They're, they're making like the of, yeah of like trad casts today. Like they wear like dorky clothes and they're just going to like settle down. They're like uh, cottage core hipsters. Yes. And how you know they care about the town is that Alec Baldwin is making a miniature version, version of, of the town in the <laughs> attic. Yeah, yeah. The, the the best way you can show love for something is make a small miniature of it. Yeah. The um. Uh, That's yeah, why architects are the most loving people, <laughs> as David knows well. Yeah, right. Yeah, well. yeah, for real. <laughs> and, um, and, and you also see this character in, like, you know, like the neighbors in uh, Christmas Vacation, uh-huh. right? You know, um, I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's um, uh, uh, take an edible and watch it. Yeah, at a bar. A, uh, you know, l- l- um, yeah, yeah. Julie Louise Dreyfus is is the neighbor, and they're they're just like these like you know terrible people. It's just like the the Dietzes. and uh, yeah, you know, like and, w- and what what's really important about the about Beetlejuice, right? Is like they want to t- they love the city and they want to turn it into like an an amusement park of a cute city, mm. is what they actually want to do to the place until they find out that their house is haunted, at which point they're like even better. Because now here are these like physical instantiations, or maybe not physical, but metaphysical instantiations, right? <laughs> of of um, of the past, mm-hmm. and where else can you get that? And they, I think they say something like, "Where else could you get this?" Right? And that's that's it. That's it right there. It's like all of these cities want that thing. That you're like, "Where else could you get this?" Right? And wait, maybe yeah. it's like like fucking trash plates, right? <laughs> or you know, it could be a type of cuisine. It can be something. You know, it doesn't matter. It's just like a thing. That you can't, you literally can't get anywhere else. And if you can just like convince everyone that that thing is important to live next to, you're golden. That's mm-hmm. it. And, that's and if it. you have a, uh, if where you have your restaurant used to make like copper pans or whatever, you call it the copper pan and you have copper pans everywhere and you keep everything rustic because there's not a lot of places that have made that sort of thing. And so there's like that element of like earthiness and materiality to the history. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then you know, like there, there's a the wine bar that kind of set off all of Troy is called the Confectionery, which is really confusing, right? Because it's 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 not a confectionery, it's a bar, right? But it's it's named after 
a confectionery that was like there in like 1830 or something, you know. But it was it was like something boring after that. Yeah, they, it was an insurance company. Yeah, they, did, they didn't name bar. it the insurance company <laughs> yeah. bar. No, they, they named the yeah. confectionery. Right, because it can't be it can't be insurance. It can't be something of the fire section of like the last regime mm-hmm. of accumulation when things hollowed out. It has to skip over that and go to like a different age, like a day where an age when men were men and women were women. And, you know, your hardworking Billy's and Joe six packs showed up to the bar. Didn't think about authenticity because they actually lived authenticity and they made authentic things. It was like a pre pre lapsarian moment for working people. Yeah, and you know, and this is the, the the confusing part. It's like we, we've already said, like you know, trads, and like you know, <laughs> you know, we've already used that word. But you know, like there is like a thing. There's a, there's something like a little bit dangerous, right? I think about all this like city authentic kind of move, right? This like this desire to like build things off of a history. Uh, is that like this this backwards turn? Like looking backwards is like it, it's not. You know, it, it's it's obviously like ridiculous to call it fascist right like it's but it does play with some really dangerous i think like topics where like people is like are incentivized to think about like ideal types in the past and and it's this um and, and you know like there there are studies i think one was it was in like norway so i don't know how generalizable anything from norway is right but you know like there have been like you do. There are some research in like you know like which politicians can leverage authentic you know like feelings of authenticity better, and it's always the, the further right the better, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Like authenticity is like pretty much in every case a, a reactionary kind of gesture. Well, one of the most uh, ambitious things you're trying to do in the book is have a material account for authenticity. Yeah, I, I don't think I fully. Maybe we're like sort of already describing it, but uh-huh. like how how would you describe that? Yeah, so the, the the way I would describe it is, is, is this, right? That um, cities, when they when they find something that works, they they jump on it. And in the in in just this particular case in New York, the way that that looks, what the, what that looks like, is um, uh, all of these kind of like uh, legalized bribery systems that a- Andrew Cuomo set up, RIP. Uh, uh, Andy Cuomo, right? Um, I, 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 every time I come down here, I have to pass by the um, the Tappan Zee Bridge, yeah. right? And I just look mm. look at it and think about daddy issues. You, you know, you can just call like, him <laughs> Andrew. You can call him Andrew Cuomo. Okay, you don't have to call him Andy Cuomo. <laughs> just look at look like this uh, bridge that's gonna fall apart in five years, and just be like, man, you just like I, man, that dude just really wanted his dad's approval posthumously, you know? <laughs> but um, anyway, it, it, so, it, so you know, in, in New York State, the, uh, Andrew Cuomo set up these um. Regional economic development councils and what they, they're governor, directly governor appointed like groups of like 10 to 11 people who, um, accept applications from small businesses and cities and, and non uh, NGOs, uh, to, uh, for capital investment in different sorts of economic development projects. So it could be everything from, you know, turning your apple orchard into a cidery or it's, um, uh, site, um, uh, site plans for a new apartment complex, right? It's just like, you know, taking off some of the risk and capital expenses for whatever you want to do to, to build up something in the city. And, um, and, and the, and who sits on these boards appointed by the governor, you know, stuff like, um, 
uh, Oftemauer, Andy, we, you, were, you and I were talking about her off mic, right? You know, like this from Hole. Yeah, yeah. This 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 person like now lives in Hudson. Melissa Oftemauer. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like she's on there. Um, there's uh, it's usually like there was like the guy from th- this was an interesting um point. I forget the guy's name. It's in the book, but he's um, uh, he was the like community liaison for Six Flags, uh, mm. around like Lake George. He's the old guy who dances. <laughs> <laughs> right with the bow tie yeah yeah and so he um uh he like uh he was on there for a while and then he stays on through like four different jobs which kind of tells you you know like it's, which is weird right like the 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 this board seat is connected to him not his role in how he his relationship with to capital which is how you know like there's some sort of like weird jody dean like neo-feudalism thing happening where like he has this seat that like belongs to him as he goes from like six flags to um uh like film commissioner of glens falls or something like that and then like you know like, he has like a storefront that's like three doors down from like another uh board member or something like that and and, and until like he eventually um until he eventually helps succession rec- uh, record uh, an episode at, at his old employer at six flags you know and then it's and then it's done. Uh, and then, and then, and then the last thing you, you see of him is him being reamed out by a local town for um, not knowing why they gave him like six six figures to uh, help like boost their presence on social media, and nothing happened. And 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 then and then he kind of like disappears from from the council and everywhere else, right? But it's, it's, so like, how do you make capital from this? Is basically you you have those kinds of people uh, picking winners and losers. As, as, as you might say, and uh, uh, and and investing physical capital, right? Like actually building things uh, based on a uh, an argument that you repeat back to the, this board that they have already transmitted out from lots of other little documents that they put out a report every year, right? So this this uh, the regional economic economic development council like puts out a report every year that's like we're doing this, we care about this, we want to like leverage. Uh, natural resources for ecotourism and stuff like that and then like all these all the companies all, all the little small business owners go like okay well um, I want to do this and that is fulfilling your goal of doing uh, e- you know ecotourism in this way and then the the council has to go like uh, yes correct answer we see our vision in you mm-hmm. <laughs> right and then he, so here's three hundred thousand dollars Right of like no interest loan or a grant or convertible into a grant or something like that. You know, there's, there's lots of different sorts of uh, um, financial instruments they can give you, right? And so that that's that that's really like how the rubber meets the road of like t- t- taking authenticity, making a story about it, usually as a as a small business like describing something authentic, and then using that as like a soundboard to a regional economic development council who gives you real money to do it, right? And but, so. Like, uh, but yeah. in- Importantly, in your book too, there's uh, there's a competitive aspect to this, right? A kind of competitive aspect that matches what happens in like the private uh, development and real estate and investment market, where you have all of these uh, different regions who are broken up by the state uh, into like say the capital region, and they're all competing for like a fixed basket of money or sums or whatever, and so they have uh, a sort of incentive there to not just push forward the plans that are most popular, but also 
tie into like the sort of individual boosterism that's happening in each of these different towns, which is happening, of course, based out of like the people who have interest in the economy, which is to say the capitalists, but also, as you point out in the book, labor unions who want you know, the particular mall to end up in their town instead of the next town over or various different NGO groups. So there's like a whole like ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a competitive ecosystem of trying to basically uh, draw in uh, fire money from all over the country and the world. Yeah. 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 Sean, you, like, you know that like uh, uh, trade unions are politically ambivalent at best, right? I, you know, like the, if oh, sure. Right. You know, like they, they, they'll build a prison camp if it's, you know, union, <laughs> if it's union labor, you know, <laughs> not uh, Sean, he would never do that. No, no, no. But um, never, not even once. No. But you know, like the, the um, it, it's that sort of um, ambivalence that does create what, um, you know, like there's this really great book called Urban Fortunes came out in 1987 and it's still everything it says is still correct uh, uh um called a the er, the growth machine right and uh where you know like everything from labor leaders all the way through to um you know like the mayor and the owner of the newspaper all agree that growth is good right you build you know, just build more and then like attract more people which gets more money and like and, like we can all disagree about like how to do that but everyone agrees mm. that that must be done right and uh and, and and so like that that's how you get these like weird governing coalitions that all agree to like build the big fucking thing. Right. Um, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, the, uh, an interesting thing is happening in New York state politics. And I think this is like the conclusions of this may, might be general enough for people who don't live in Troy, New York or in New York city. But, uh, there's a big battle happening right now about growth in the suburbs, uh, versus home rule because you have, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, David, because I know you know a lot more about this than I do. But um, our our governor Hochul has tried to force through a measure that would mean that um, a lot of near suburbs uh, to New York City and places like the Capital Region uh, will be forced by the state in order to have three percent residential um, development growth every year, trying to force uh, smaller. Um, communities, especially ones that are close to mass transit and within commuting distance to the city, uh, to basically build more multifamily units, build more density uh, in their towns. And I think this is really like an underrated reason why so much of Long Island and um, Westchester County in New York City has taken a rightward turn because you have this battle to try to increase development, increase growth versus like the interests of the individual homeowner who sees, you know, obviously a multifamily home going up next to theirs, destroying not just the sort of vibe of an idyllic sort of single family home on like a half acres worth of land, uh, but also like the real growth engine for working class, uh, you know, assets uh, and middle class assets in this country. So talk a little bit about that and how that wraps into the larger argument. Yeah, this is the dirty secret that I had at least like three people that I spoke to for the book um, say this and then say, please don't quote me on this. Right. So this is all anonymous, but like in different sectors of the uh, uh, of regional economic development, you know, like they, they have very different roles, but they all agreed that the thing that holds back a lot of development is home rule what Sean just said, home rule, right? And what that means is that, um, and this is true in about half the states in the United States, is they have something called home rule, which just means that um, unless the state or federal government explicitly says this is our job, everything devolves to the city, right? So the city gets to, so unless the state says, like, we negotiate uh, um, contracts with telecommunications companies for the regional monopoly, 
right, for the right of way to put in uh, wires and stuff, right? Unless the city, sa- unless the state says that that's their job, it devolves directly to the city, right? And that, mm-hmm. and so cities have a lot of power, right? But they also don't have a lot of resources or money. <laughs> So what that means is that they're oftentimes like outgunned at the negotiating table for stuff like what I just described, where like, you know, the city of Troy would sit across the table from Time Warner or it is, I guess now it's now Spectrum, right? Like lawyers be like, okay, well, we want uh, public access television in exchange for you getting uh, a monopoly to uh, cable television there. And they're like, no. Like well we well we tried <laughs> and uh, um and you know, and just copy and paste that for all sorts of issues right and uh, and developers also are you know not only can they outgun them on that on the table but they also don't even want to negotiate with them in the first place and so they would much rather have larger more um, ready to play ball uh, um, uh, negotiators on the other side of the table right so this is uh, there's a ton and ton of of uh, uh, of forces pushing to consolidate cities and towns into mm. larger uh, government organizations. This is a dirty secret that no one actually wants to say because everyone hates it. Like all every, anyone that votes hates this. They don't mm. want their, their town to be turned into, to be gobbled up by the, the, their bigger neighbor. So is New York finally going to get Yonkers? <laughs> right like that like that that's the kind of thing really that would make taxes easier wouldn't it yeah yeah I and mean, really but like those are the kinds of things that like yeah that, that capital really wants because they don't want to have to deal with all these fucking little mm-hmm. shits all over the place right and and this is actually the the all, another answer uh, you know like the, this answer that i'm giving is is an answer to another question that i usually get from people that study in this area which is like how is this any different than the boosterism that's occurred for centuries, right? The, uh, all across the, uh, the United States, because the United States never had a, an internal domestic uh, um, uh, development policy. It's it's mm. kind of like rare uh, of other countries that like we don't have healthcare and we don't have an internal development like policy, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't do any. The Secretary of Interior like deals with extracting oil, right? They don't they yeah. don't talk about housing or anything like that. We and, don't have like a deregist sort of like uh, ec- economic developmental federal state yeah we don't have we, we have like land grant colleges we have the homestead act we have like giving railroads a bunch of land and then letting them develop privately on both sides of it but it's always these sort of indirect ways of moving things yeah yeah it was, it was the tennessee valley authority or you know something like right. that so it will be like the you know the government will be the 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 customer of last resort for things they'll set up markets but you know like they're, they're not they'll never do anything deliberately so the, or directly. the uh, ec- economic regional councils sort of fill the void of like capital pushing over all these small cities. Yes, exactly. So yeah. they're they're able to have some sort of planning, but the planning is purely for you know like now the Hudson Valley is going to be wedding zone. Yeah, and I mean that does that is good for land values yes. certainly. Like when I went to New Paltz uh, instead of New College. Um, Hudson was not a place anyone wanted to go. I think it had like the highest crime rate in the state. Yep. And uh no one ever talked about going there and now yeah, it's where like everyone gets married. I went to a bar there and like not only was it a Brooklyn style bar, but people I know from Brooklyn were, were bartending there. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks I, to thanks to the basis from Hull, man. <laughs> well, the, 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 I mean we have we have the the basis <laughs> of Hull or the basis of any good punk band to thank for a lot of the world we live in yeah. now, you know. <laughs> well, we, we uh, also have uh, Allison Roman, right? Like the Instagram inf- uh, like Also uh, sounds uh, like cook. a riot girl. Yeah, right. No, no, it's a <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like a, a foodie influencer, like like uh, um, a cookbook author. Uh, um, when uh, she got into the, like this very public fight with Chrissy Teigen, 
right, on right. social media. And she fled, and it was also like the beginning of COVID. So she fled both and she went to Hudson mm. and she gave like three interviews like back to back and each and every one of them, like the first sentence out of her mouth was I'm staying in Hudson right now. Uh, and, mm. and which was, which is a little strange until you realize that she um, invested in like three different restaurants in the area. And, and so like, she's like, you know, trying to build a, a small empire of like uh, high scale re- uh, upscale restaurants in, in, in Hudson, New York. Right. Um, uh, and, and she, and she just very subtly, right. She's not, um, uh, uh, trying to get you to go to that restaurant. She's trying to get you to go to Hudson because right, she, she, right. she correctly recognizes that her, her profit, like, you know, uh, hinges on whether or not Hudson is a, is a good brand itself. Right. And so, yeah, it's, and it's so she, like she's just like encouraging you to think of Hudson as a place to go and then you'll find her restaurant. Right. It's like it's like not local capitalists necessarily putting forth like their restaurant is the most authentic and the one that you want to go to. Often it's more subtle than that. It's like it's like boosting Hudson capital as such. Yeah. And and then like capital as capital. Yeah. And they, and they all re- recognize, including the guy that, that makes the, the, the Bradley, right, the dive bar themed bar. They all say this. They all say that like they recognize that their success is tied to other like capitalists of their ilk, like their 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 whole strata. They have a class consciousness, and they recognize that they mm. all do better when they all do better. As long mm. as they you can convince a sufficient number of people that like the the area has a brand worth worth buying, right? And and so the, and so then there's plenty of room for them to do this, right? Because develop everything from developers to restaurateurs to uh, um, punk bands, right? Like they all, they, you know, like these cities are too expensive. New York City is like too expensive, too crowded. Uh, they can't get in on, on on the ground floor of anything, so they have to go elsewhere. They have mm. to physically go elsewhere, and uh, but they they have, but the the tax for that. Right, they 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 they'll pay less uh, for like the property, but the tax itself is is spending a bunch of money to convince people that that place is just as good, if not right. better, than Brooklyn. Right, right, right. yeah. Brooklyn's you saw, for rubes. Yeah, you saw some Instagram ad for like Gloversville and 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 Dansburg <laughs> yeah, and like yeah, just yeah. like fake <laughs> New Haversbrook. Right. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I opened up the book on that with like the Marjorie the Monorail. The the fascinating thing about your book, and I think what takes it from the level of like just a really good analysis of all the things we've been talking about, this intersection of attention and authenticity and capital. What takes it, I think, to the next level is that for like a decade and a half, you've seen this process unfold. Not only just as a passive observer, but you've also been very active in labor struggles and uh, you know development struggles happening uh, on the ground floor. I think this is such a timely book because the last three years since COVID is, I guess it's like the three-year anniversary of it hitting, uh, has really been an acceleration of the sort of process that you've been talking about, especially with uh, work from home, mm-hmm. where there's the, really, we're in the process of like a world historic or like an epochal movement and migration of peoples uh, all over the country right now, not just uh, the spread of work from home, of course, but also uh, the large, very large boomer cohort um, retiring and often downsizing and looking, you know, as their millennial children once did <laughs> for something that feels authentic to them as well, which happens to be often uh, this the same sort of vibe. So it's a very timely book, I think, in that sense. Thank you. Yeah. And you do see the um, the age cohorts. I have a table in there somewhere. That's, you see like the, the age cohorts bifurcate 
uh, really strongly, uh, um, where it's like right out of college and, and the empty nesters, like all, like those two groups, like increase significantly and, and people who like have children, like families decrease, right? You know, it's, Mm. it's, it's, a um, uh, it's pretty stark. Yeah. Which is, which says something about the, uh, the labor market too, or at least the jobs that are available, right? It's like a hollowing out of like the working age, essentially yeah. people, or at least like that, that little, the part of the bell curve where you're like productive and starting a family or whatever, it's having like a massive sort of sortition effect, sorting effect. Yeah. I, th- I think what I, I think what's, I, well, it would surprise me the most, I think in my, in my research was that like, I was expecting all of these uh, like retail service sector jobs to be like the, the economic driver. Like we would find that like we've created this house of cards economy where it's just like all based off of like uh, increasingly complicated coffee orders. Right. That's what, that's what I thought like th- this would uh, th- this would look like. But what it actually looks like is um, is the very straightforward like Richard Florida creative class growth model which is that, you know, you lure in the high earners and then uh, the service economy supports them for, further on and then you call that an economy, a local economy, right? But, um, and, and what I was finding is that, like, so there are just, like, a couple of anchor institutions that do a ton of hiring. So it's, it's eds and meds, right? Universities and, and hospitals do a, lot, do a lot of hiring in the region. And then, like, uh, in Malta, New York, outside of Saratoga Springs, is an enormous uh, chip fab. They build uh, mm. computer chips, right? And and the, that that chip fab throws off the numbers of Saratoga County just wildly compared to everywhere else. More homes, more income, more people moving there. Just everything is is off the charts compared to like the four other counties that are right uh, right below it, just south of it. And that shows that like like uh, um, uh, uh, manufacturing is still like the thing that 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 drives economies right like you don't mm-hmm. replace that mm-hmm. um but what's uh fascinating is that like you go on like glass door and stuff and you look at like the people that took jobs at these at these fabs and then like how much they like either the employer or the region and they fucking hate it right who's working there uh uh who's working there is like people out of like technical schools okay that mm. are exp- that that are uh, correctly expecting to make like nothing less than like 75,000 a year starting Right. And, and what's cool and what they say is like, you know, it's cool that like I, I get to live in a place where that 75K goes, goes much further than it would, uh, you know, like in the city or, or most other places, but I'm bored as hell. Right. And, mm. and, and that's the thing that, that, um, sit, that these cities like need to change. Right. That's the, that's their whole fucking They focus. have to open up a barcade. It's yeah, so yeah. simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It seems so simple. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's what they're, you know, and it has to like stay open later and, and you gotta have to fucking like, you know, have a shirt that, that says like, oh, I'm, you know, like keep Saratoga crazy or, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. Defend Saratoga with yeah. an assault rifle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, you, you, so you, you have to you have to have shit like that. And but what's um, the I I think the thing that you know, Sean, you you mentioned kind of like my, my labor activism, right? And like the thing here is that um, those other places like the the uh, like the educational centers, the the hospitals, they sit uh, very prominently in these economic development councils and in all the other community control systems, like the industrial development authorities, the business improvement districts, like all these quasi governmental organizations that control your local economy right like they 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 people sit sit on those boards too right and so the the main employers are also in charge of the regional economy uh outside of their um their firms and so 
they they sit in this weird spot where like at their day job their their responsibility is to keep labor costs low right and profits mm. high but when they move into these other roles as economic development council chair or or board member or whatever right their job is to increase employment in the region as a, as a as a region right not necessarily mm. at their firm but but just in the area and and, and then and they and these should be high paying jobs right so like they they're almost at like these like dual purposes to uh, uh in in their different roles which i point out in in the last chapter as like obviously like like that that's never going to work right they're always going to um like get just enough people that make just enough money and then stop there and you're never going to have a full economy so the only the only right. way to the only way to actually make this work is to do like a, is to work from the bottom up right and to get the workers to like develop the the leadership strategies in order to gain access to these these other uh systems that tell you know let let money go wherever it wants we need the workers councils to be to replace or to overtake the economic development councils if we just get workers voted to all of these boards then we could do the corporate or not (laughs) we could we could uh, i don't know what we could do is there like what's like the political one of the political takeaways from this as we get towards the end of the episode like is there is there a a place for like say a a revivified uh, radical militant uh workers movement to insert itself into these structures or are they all just completely corporatist uh cuomo-esque uh ghoulish institutions well yeah i think they are designed that way to work for capital right these are organizations that dole out capital and work for capital but i think if you were i i i i'm i'm optimist in the book that i say that like you could uh like gain sufficient like labor power and and i should say that the albany metro region has like the highest union density in the country right so we're uh the best positioned for this and it's still not there Right, so this is this is going to take a ton of work. Right, is that you have to um, get enough of the workforce organized that yeah, then you you can get them like trained in in leadership of different sorts of big projects, and then like there are actually like industrial development authorities where like it is written in their rules that you have to have a labor member on the board. Right, but right mm-hmm. now they're like you know like the the CSEA. Uh, uh, a guy from the water department that just like right walks in, signs his name and leaves, you know, <laughs> like they're all captured mm. positions. So like if you could get in there and then reform them in the same way that Ron DeSantis is like absolutely destroying, you know, American education by going into the lion's den of like, you know, lib ideology, DEI hell. Right. And, mm. and, 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 ta- and like pulling it out and changing it. We can do that with all of these uh, economic development councils, right? He's like, they're not, they're not designed for us, but if we grabbed hold of them and, and sufficiently ran with them, like you, you could make huge transformations in, into like, you know, taking state money and turning it into like centers for, for worker education, community centers, right? This is all the money that the state uses. It's all the bonds and, and free money that the, that the government makes, right? Like you can, you can grab that and, and, and give like massive access to capital and 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 cheap loans to 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 workers yeah you describe how that could be done in the last chapter of the book which is called what is to be done um (laughs) but uh the the conclusion that i really like is um basically a, a polemic against authenticity itself yeah and uh which is i think 
very helpful because a lot of people react to the the bullshit like dive bar themed dive bar or just like modern life in general saying oh i have to find some i have to actually find the real authenticity it's not here i'm gonna go uh raise some goats or something right no yeah, no yeah, offense yeah. to my friends who raise some goats they're very nice <laughs> goats and i'm sure they were delicious uh but the you you assert that there's a problem with the concept of authentic, authenticity itself yeah and then what I really like after that is you have like a coda that's a little like sci-fi story of like what the post-authentic uh, society might be like. Yeah, my my, my uh, publisher is very understanding. Um, <laughs> like, like, I mean, like it was really kind of like a. a um, I, I didn't know how to one. I didn't know how to end it, but I also like didn't know how to say a bunch of like fiction or at least speculative fiction like lets you say a bunch of things all at once. Right, and, and that and that's all I was trying to do with it, and it's not very long, right? You know, but you know, but uh, yeah, essentially, I just say, you know, yeah, like stop looking for this like authentic thing because like if you look in the literature of like where this desire for auth- authenticity comes from, it's very modern and it's all fake. Like you can't you can't get it. Like that's the point is that authenticity is always like you know one step away, and so and so if you just like stop searching for it it actually turns out that the thing that you think you want is just like being in community with the people around you and like to stop doing this, this rat race, this search for things, because then that's where, you know, like that, that like authentic punk bar that you always wanted, right? Like those people aren't like, or maybe they are, but but I, I think, you know, like the, probably the best ones are ones where like, everyone's not like, okay, so what is the most punk thing? How do we get like the most punk, like, uh, uh, theory of uh, of change, and you know, like they're just like thinking as punk, like overtly thinking as punks. And said it's just like, well, let's just fucking do something punk as shit. Like, let's just mm-hmm. do it. And when we do it, it's punk because we're punks. You know, it's like that. And like, so you have is to do it that. Punk, if like if I if I express like a real authenticity by doing what my grandfather did and just like living in some like out of the way out of borough place and go to some shitty like normal bar, probably is right because that's kind of my plan. Yeah, just go to like Richmond Hill or some shit, yeah, or like Kew Gardens, and just watch baseball. I mean, this is this is what we all really want, right? I, I, yeah, I'm on the thing. I want to watch baseball, right. as, I, as you both found out. I want to watch baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, like, I, I think you know, here, here, here's a here's a tip, right? In in the United States uh, uh, tax um, uh, uh, system, there is something called a 501c7. This is the uh, the the tax designation for fraternities and social clubs. Thank right? God this is coming out before April fifteenth. Go on, go on. <laughs> this is like these these private uh, is it for private clubs, right? Um, uh, you and a couple of friends. This is not easy. I'm not saying just go do it, right? It's not easy, but get a group of people together, make a five hundred one c seven, and then try to um, uh, raise a bunch of money and uh, rent a place or buy a place uh, the, in anywhere that you can. And uh, and make a private club, and and and, mm-hmm. and don't let anyone use social media in it. Mm, yeah, you get to control who comes in. You create a process to of who becomes a member, and then no one fucking tweets about it. And like, yeah, I like it. <laughs> and, 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 and you know, and like we're all on Twitter. Like you know, it's, I, you know, uh, not gonna throw. But can you? Talk about it on a podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not talking about it on okay. a podcast. I'm talking about the idea of doing this. He's not talking right. about the very specific social club that he has founded and doesn't talk about. <laughs> yeah. on podcasts right. or social media on the podcast. Yeah, but like right, but this is this is the idea, right? Is that like you, you gotta 
it, part of the the authenticity like grab right like the, the 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 urge for it is also an audience right you, is it has to have an audience right it, otherwise no one is there to validate that you did it right right and so and what audience and, and i'm not going to say like you know never try to perform for other people because i think it's very human um uh thing to do but like but the audiences that we pick i think do a lot change a lot of like how we you know make those performances and and if you could just like get an audience that actually fucking cares about you instead of like a like an insane like mob of uh, uh, twitter avs you know like avis you know, like just stop that he's <laughs> like mm-hmm. that, that that turns you into a weird person but if you if you like a- actually like find a few people that you care about and you build something together that also like you know say it's not easy and that's good right it's um it takes discipline and people can't just walk away from it when they get tired of it you know, mm. like you're gonna have like really drag out terrible fights that you might even like lose some friends, or at least the friendship is gonna look very different afterward. But like that's like actually doing shit, right? It's not just like, oh well, you know, like, I'm gonna go start a new Trotskyist sect, you know, like, like, like it, because because it doesn't cost anyone fucking anything to just walk away. Yeah, and it relates to the the general theme of the spatial fix of like the capital's expansion in the face of over accumulation, where if you're just able to walk away from the project and start a new sect or a new social center or something because you don't have to you're not grounded in anything yeah. you don't have to fix it so yeah i mean i think you know going getting back to the punk idea there's like a lot of venues that have opened up in this neighborhood that have great punk shows with great punk bands but obviously they just don't feel like a diy punk show not only because like younger kids can't come but just because it's a bar it's yeah. not a social space everything is set up to fund the bar's existence and even if everything else is the same you just feel shitty about it like it just doesn't feel authentic in that way because the authenticity comes within the actual dynamic of what the punk scene is about that Mm -hmm. people know each other and care about each other and support each other with this sort of uh ethos and aesthetic yeah but at the same time you know the danger of that is like setting up the counter brand and like just turning politics mm-hmm. into aesthetics. Yeah. Yeah. You get you, there's always like Mark Fisher kind of like haunting you in the background, right? Like this could all become pre-corporated very easily. Mark Fisher as Beetlejuice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we, Mark Fisher, that's cursed. Maybe we want to transition, um, to behind the paywall, but, um, you know, there is a, a danger with this. I, I feel like the politics of authenticity is like a very much like an apolitical sort of free floating signifier. And as a, a bit of a watcher of what's happening on the far right or like the new right or the anti woke right, whatever you want to call it, like one of their big plans is like either to create like a white supremacist, uh, like authentic ethnic ethno state yeah. in uh, the northwest of this country. Or uh, more recently, it has been this push to like move to small towns, a whole bunch of them, and like uh, kind of ingratiate themselves and move into places and become normal. Mm-hmm. But in order to use that to sort of rebirth some sort of authentic, like Father Coughlin 1920s style community, uh, despite, you know, obviously the economies of these places having moved on. So there is a way in which this kind of drive towards authenticity and this boosterism and this sense of like a personal intentional community that people are looking for fits well with a sort of like anti with the illiberal sort of new right uh, movements that you see, especially online right now, who knows if these people are going to fucking do it. It's mostly people talking shit on social media, but, uh, but we did want to talk about one far right cult that you might know a thing or two about that set up a shop in Albany. 
Nixium. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nikki Klein came to my house once uh, to my Star Trek night watch party. Oh, uh, hell. Okay. So let's get yeah. that story on the other side of the paywall. There, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash the Antifada. <laughs> Sign up for $5 a month or for the full year for a discount and DM me and I'll send you a thank you postcard and sticker pack. And please, for the love of God, if you have interest in urbanism, and I guess we're kind of like an urbanism podcast, uh, get David's book. We're going to put a uh, link to it in the show notes. It's really fucking good. Yeah, even definitely. if you don't live in Troy. Oh, and I, I should I should plug my own podcast, uh, Iron Weeds. Hell yeah. Yes. I love yeah. Iron Weeds. Yeah. yeah, thank you.